Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Here's the quote. We don't know who said it. Make sure everybody in your boat is rowing and not drilling holes when you're not looking. Know your circle. Uh, Lisa and I both have long been advocates, and I would suspect most everybody in the audience is too, Lisa. Of, you know, we are kind of who we surround ourselves with. Right. Um, there have been a lot of wise people who've made comments and quotes about that kind of thing. Uh, for a number of years, I've done work in the peer influence space, uh, particularly evangelizing the work of Leo Batari. Uh, you can find him at L E O B O T T A R Y dot com. Um, Leo's work was studying CEO peer groups, mastermind groups, if you please, uh, you know, 12 to 15 CEOs get in a room and, and try to help each other. And he's written three books, co-wrote the first one, the power of peers. And he and I've had a whole lot of conversations about things like this, um, particularly the know your circle and have people in that circle that you can help and that can help you. But I suppose we've all got stories of saboteurs, you know, who entered our circle and, you know, there we were, we had to do something about it. Yeah, we've had to, um, I've learned over time and certainly in leadership because, uh, early in my career, I'm just, you know, me and those around me know me. I'm a pretty positive person. I give the benefit of the doubt. I try to lift people up. I try not to assume they wanted to do poorly today, right? That they, they want to do good. They just misstepped. Um, but as my career advanced, um, not, not necessarily just in title, but in dealing with more, and more employee issues, my tolerance got, I call it a little less and heightened. I became aware quickly of those that wanted to change and had a genuine heart and those that just nod and say, yes, ma'am. And then go back right out your door and do the exact same thing again. And you're in, you know, they're in your office a couple months later. Um, I didn't have anybody that was just blatantly every day. Uh, I can say that over my career, but I've had plenty and sometimes more than one at the same time um, as a leader where you suspect, but you aren't 100% sure. You you suspect based on the attitude, based on how they say things, how they word things, if you're watchful, who they hang out with. Um, and that's how I slowly learned you have, you genuinely, and we had another podcast on this. You genuinely, you need to know your people. You need to, as it says, you need to know your circle. Um, and you need to trust when there's smoke, you need to investigate it. You know, when they say that when there's smoke, there's fire, you have got to dive in. It doesn't mean you assume what that, imp- what that person brings to you is fact, but you should definitely not let it slide. You should just, I always say inspect what you expect. Mm-hmm. So go inspect, um, check with people. How's it going? Um, you, you know, you taught me when we first, uh, work, begin work together about the one-on-ones, just take 15 minutes and ask one question 
And it doesn't have to be targeted about somebody. You know, my question was, what's preventing us from doing raving fan service? I mean, very neutral. Raving fan service is our motto on our service philosophy to go above and beyond 110% in every interaction. So you give your customers more than they expected. And so when I would ask that question and they know it's a safe environment, which is part two of this, Mm -hmm. They know I'm not going to go to the next person and go, well, well, you know, Joe Blow said that I don't do that. Um, But it was very interesting when you asked that question, how the same problem surfaces more than once. If they're willing to trust you and the sabotagers or the ones drilling the holes think it's peachy, it's everybody, it's either, it's either really good and there's no issues or it's everybody else that's causing problems. And they'll they'll throw them under the bus in a second. And the, as I went through leadership over time, I learned to watch for those red flags, make notes. Uh, that Those are times that I've learned to document the conversations, investigate it, and kind of put a note in my drawer, per se, yeah. um, and say, you know, I need to be a little bit more watchful of that. And then I'd always check back. I'd give it a month or two. I'd watch interactions. Every time they were in charge of something, I said, hey, have the, you know, I'd ask the people around them, how'd that go? And you would slowly peel back those layers of the onion that get to the sour part. You know, they because they don't want to really say anything bad. Your good people don't want to really say anything bad about your teammate. They try to tolerate. Yeah, but then the holes, the they start, yeah, they start plugging the holes mm-hmm. and the holes become too many and the whole boat's sinking. And that's usually when they turn. And they're like, it's gotten so bad that you have to, you have to take action. Or you start, or you start, if you're not paying attention, all of a sudden you start losing people and you're like, that's right. Wait a minute. Yeah. They will turn it. They'll turn over. Yeah. Cause they just want to get out of the negative environment instead of face it with you. That's right. So we're talking about undermining behavior. Um, so what are some of the red flags that you've experienced? Uh, typically the very first one I see is negativity. Everything is somebody else's issue. It's a negative experience. Excuse making making would be a great way to put it. Um, Doesn't matter what you do. I had a situation at at one time in my career where I gave an increase um, deserved. We did a market study and employee deserved the increase. Pretty significant in our, I think in our world, it was, you know, it was like nine grand or something um, to their pay. And uh, gave it to them, brought them in with my other manager, congratulated them. Um, this is many, many moons ago. Congratulated them and said, you know, you, you've done a great job. We've studied the market as we do. And we found that the market has increased over time. Um, we're giving you this increase. Uh, you, you know, you're doing a great job in your role. Um, and we explained what that role was. And... That individual accepted it, said thank you. An odd encounter, like looked at me, left the office. The next day wrote a, like a, a novel. You know, those emails that just go mm-hmm. on forever and ever about how ungrateful we were, how she was undervalued, underappreciated, under, uh, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, he, I've been undervalued this whole time. I've been underappreciated. And I'm assuming y'all were blindsided by that. Yes. Cause you know, we were obviously thinking we had done the, the right thing, the right, right thing to correct that. And, 
uh, at least in in Grand Prairie, we do market studies every month as leaders need them. So so this many moons ago, um, when the market wasn't as strong, was a really nice thing to do. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't happening all the time like in Grand Prairie where it does now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we always make it right. We want to be competitive. We want to be fair. We don't have to be top, but we don't want to be. We really don't want to be in the bottom two thirds. We'd like to be in the top third because we're a pretty big city in the Metroplex against our peers. Um, and uh, anyway, so it was it was surprising uh, at that point. You know, when you're talking about punching holes in the boat, uh, I'm I'm one that just faces it. I don't I don't pause and let and dwell on it. I immediately called her in, asked her what was going on, that this was surprising and shocking, um, and can she help me understand why she felt? Because I was, is it something we had done? Is it something we had said? But every I quickly realized everything I'd said was twisted to me to something else. I mean, what I said was not what I said. She, she had twisted it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You said one thing, she heard something different. That's right. But on multiple, that's why I had somebody else in there with me. Yeah. It was kind of a, uh, protective, you know, as they say, a CYA. So, um, it's those kind of things when they misinterpret, um, sometimes I don't know about the listeners. Sometimes in my career, I had people that literally just blatantly ignored an order. You'd give it, you'd tell them to do something right. and they go do what they want to. And then they give you a reason why. Um, I've had people when I said, you know, if you need to go to council, talk to me. I've had people go directly to council, have their own conversation and then tell me and gave the wrong information. You know, and that's never good. You don't want that for your department. And we we want we want to make sure we're giving our council members the correct information like any city would. You want to give them correct information, the full story. Um, and create understanding. Um, so anyway, those are just kind of the the items that I've noticed. It's twisting twisting a story, always shifting blame. I call it deflecting. You know, they're deflecting anything. They don't own up to mistakes. Um, those are the things that they're behind the scenes. And typically, I can't think of any case where it's been one. It they usually get others on board. I don't know if they can break people down or they suck them in, like they kind of create a world of doubt um, for a variety of things through their words. So it's usually more than one once if you let it roll too long. And so all that to be said over my 25 years. Misery loves company is a true cliche. That's right. And it's so important that um, I learned over time that my, the very thing, as you always say, Randy, your strengths are your, worst enemies sometimes, your weaknesses. Yeah. Um, my, my The grace that I gave so often, I learned quickly it had a limit. I needed to provide grace, and then I needed to correct and correct the behavior or move them out of the organization because they can do more damage long-term than they can do on the short-term. Um, and that, that just came with, honestly, with life experiences and leadership. You know, I didn't get, I didn't have that opinion early in leadership. You know, I started uh, as a manager back in 2006 here at Grand Prairie when they hired me. Before that, I had worked at City of Carrollton, but was an analyst. And before that, I was a supervisor at EDS in the private sector for four years. But I didn't get taught anything. You know, we're doing our leadership series now that we just met on yesterday with mentorship that I think is going to be key because so many times 
we just throw people like me. We just, I had a concept of leading and knew what bad leadership looked like because I experienced that before. So I didn't want to do that, but I wasn't ever taught. I had to ask a lot of questions, look to people that I respected and ask them how they did things. Uh, look to people like you, like my former boss, like Cheryl, people that you respect that can lend wisdom. That's how I have learned over time uh, my way of leading. And it's because you guys allow it. You don't tell us how to do it. You ask questions, which leads us to our answer of what feels right for us in our situation. But I think a lot of us just got thrown into the deep end of the pool. I think that's how it rolls typically. Yeah, um, I mean, that's we're so, especially in city government, I think every every listener is like, yep, it's it's like we call it managed chaos. I mean, you're running 90 to nothing, task list 200 deep. I mean, literally, I mean, right. four, like four pages deep of things we need to get done. You can't get anything done that you had planned in the day because of interruptions, of new projects, of a crisis. But you plan and you try to strategically move through those a little at a time, right? I mean, um, those are the things. So honestly, there's very little time to teach. You're like, okay, I need you to go do, we'll train you on the basics, ask any questions because, you know, and we, we try to like, we have checklists in HR for our staff of the basics to teach them how to use the system, how to log in, how to, how to do these certain actions. We have that kind of stuff. Sure. We call sure. them SOPs like most, but the, how to lead. We taught the how to's how to purchase something how to do an RFP. Right. But we didn't say here's here's how you lead really well, right? So yeah. we're we're trying to do more of that now to really get into the soft skills of leadership and what that looks like from a mentorship standpoint uh through challenging thought, the things that are critical but often untaught. Well, I hope I hope and we of course hope that the podcast is some small catalyst uh, for city government, no matter where you are in city government in the United States, you know, to understand, yes, we, we've all got a lot of work that has got the work product has got to be accomplished. No question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But along with that, can we pull along side by side, some methodology where we are giving purposeful intent to growing people? Mm -hmm. Uh, because none of us are going to be in our roles forever. But there's, for me, there's a bigger elephant in the room and that is just the human potential that's being wasted. Yeah. You know, the, the people that we have on our teams who could accomplish so much more, if we could just help them get whatever's in, impeding them out of the way. And in some cases, help them get out of their own way. Yes. You know, not because they're stupid, not because they're idiots, just because to your point, they haven't been exposed to it. They have, they haven't learned it. And it's really Somebody, difficult to, to learn it. It's, it's, it's difficult to learn anything on your own. That's right. And so yourself. many times, if you think about uh, your cities, where you're at for our listeners and the culture, every city's got a different culture. Every city's got something different that's important to them. Maybe the same, like I'm sure service is high on everybody's list in city because that's what our business is. Service to the citizens, service to one another, right? We want our community to thrive. Um, we want a strong council that supports staff. Right. We all want those things that are common, but you do have a culture that exists and you've got to figure out. I think that's the first question here. 
it has to, I think it has to start at the top. Now we can each as directors, as managers, as supervisors within our team unit, try to make a culture in that small unit that is successful. But if it rolls up and is not the same culture uh, citywide, there's going to be a disconnect. They're going to say, wait, you're saying one thing, but I'm seeing this. Why, why is that different? And I'm fortunate all, everything we do in Grand Prairie, and I know so many cities around us are great like us, um, and, and you have that leadership from the top that supports everything you're doing, that invests in their people, that wants success, and then council often reflects that. You know, we hold each other accountable. We hold our council accountable. We try to explain and help them understand what we're doing and why we're doing it when questions come up. Um, they respect staff, so we're in a fortunate place. And then ultimately, it teaches staff to then um, know their staff and create the same environment. And there's always, it's never going to be 100%. You're always going to have an outlier. There's always going to be a group that is challenged, that has either has its challenges or challenges become apparent, right, over time. Maybe there's, I've just learned sometimes it takes one person to disrupt, to disrupt, to be a disruptor. They just... Um, and you've got to notice and recognize them sitting in your own little world and not paying attention is going to be destructive because especially if you have one and it becomes two and then three, and then your good ones leave now a, a vast majority are poor performers and punching the holes in your boat and you're going to sink. I mean, it's yeah. inev it's inevitable. So you've got to manage and control that and know, you know, like it said, know your, know your circle, know who's drilling the holes and not rowing to get you where you need to go. Yeah, and there's two. I'm thinking of two, two populations of hole drillers. You've got those people that are, I'll just for lack of a better word, call them staffers, and then you've got the you got a leader, and the leader who's drilling holes is infinitely, infinitely more dangerous simply because they have some power and authority, and so you could have a team of people that are very capable of being superior, but they are, they are burdened with the tyranny of this person who is the saboteur, who's constantly undermining, um, this is dated reference, but you know, Eddie Haskelling it, you know, if you watch leave it to beaver, you know, he's just nice and polite to beaver's mom. Right. And he's just, oh yes, Mrs. Cleaver. You know, meanwhile, he's just mean as a rattlesnake once he <laughs> leaves the back door. You know, there's going to be people going, leave it to Beaver. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you're, you're Google dating it. yourself, I'm Randy. <laughs> I'm, well, I always date myself. Like, it's it's not hard to date myself. <laughs> but we know the type, you know, the, the, yeah. hypocr the hypocrite is what it amounts right. to. You know, the person that says one thing just to get out of get out of this meeting or this situation and just end the conversation, and then they're going to go on, they're going to do what they want to do kind of a thing. There was another quote. We'll shoehorn this one in here um, that you and I were noodling around with mm -hmm. in addition to this one that I, I think speaks more to the leadership part of things. A wise man once said, be careful who you let on your ship because some people will sink the whole ship just because they can't be the captain. And in my experience, I have found that the, that the leader, the person who has some degree of authority, some degree of power, but they want more. Mm -hmm. Um, and they may or may not agree with what goes on or how it ought to be done. And so, you know, they salute, 
but then once they leave after they've saluted, they ain't doing it. They no, and, it, and and then they're corrupting the their entire team, which is why it's particularly for me insidious. And I wanted to be very quick to spot anybody who had particularly who had power over other people. And if they were going to drill holes, man, I needed to spot it really, really quickly. I didn't have any reservations about kicking them off the boat and I still don't. And you know, it's interesting because, uh, I'd really be interested. And I know we don't hear from all our listeners. We know that they, they are out there and listening, but I'd really be interested in, in their experiences. I hope some of them would write in because the challenge with the, the one you just said with the one that, um, is, is punching those holes um, and saluting because they're not, you know, the captain, they can be some of the most destructive outliers that you have because they undermine authority at every turn and you often don't hear about it until later. In my experience, when I've had those, I never have found all the damage till they're gone because they they somehow gain influence and control over people where they don't, they are afraid, almost afraid of them because it's usually manipulative. Well, it intimidation. Is, yeah. It, it's manipulative. It's intimidation. It's, um, you know, they feel that they've got power that if they say something, they're going to make that person look bad and turn it on them. So they're afraid to be brought into the battle and then not be believed. And I've had that before, Man, those are some of the most destructive um, because they never see your way. They only see what they believe to be true, uh, mm-hmm. that they are the only one that could lead well and right, um, and that every decision you make is challenged, and it is exhausting. It is exhausting. So um, the the only thing I'd say besides that is you mentioned the leaders, the leaders that are punching our holes. You know what I found there? is sometimes you have really strong technical technical strength mm-hmm. so they're really good at their business the work part they're not good they're not good at leadership and empowering so the challenge for sometimes that i've experienced um in my 25 years here at grand prairie is occasionally when it's a leader that the other leaders come to hr about you know because we help everybody it doesn't we don't we try not to take sides of the employee or the leader we just try to hear the issue and help them solve for it doesn't matter which side it is. Right. Um, our job is to try to solve so the team is better. But when it's a leader, the challenge there, especially if they're high technical capability, is it's kind of like the one I just talked about. They think they are the only ones that know the right, and they're unwilling to listen to anybody else. Anybody that gives guidance, they often, frankly, sink their own ship. Right. They're drilling holes in their own ship that they don't even realize. And people typically support them because they have the technical knowledge and often they don't challenge them. They just want them to run and do their business, right? They just mm-hmm. do, they leave everybody alone. So they're usually highly um, favored because they just don't engage. They just let them run their own way. Um, and that's where, when you talked about, my experience has been they have excuses. Excuses, it doesn't matter what you ask them, it's excuses for everything. Yeah. And and that is really hard because that's what I'm talking about. Those excuses are punching the holes in the boat because you're trying to get them to grow and grow their team to become even stronger. 
And all they're doing is slowly punching holes in the boat and slowly sinking the ship. So it's going down instead of up and forward. Well, that's why our foundational recipe ingredient is humility. You know, that, that whole, I'm the smartest person in this room. I've got the answers always, you know, I have found that the leader who is, is not collaborative with their team. And for some people that can be difficult, particularly at a director level in a city. I have seen it. You've seen it. You've even experienced it, you know, where a director has got a supervisor, a manager of some sort, and there's a team of people under them. And, you know, we don't always know how collaborative they are outside our, our view. And so that can be, that can be challenging. What advice have you got for how, how can we know that what we're seeing is reality? I mean, a big part of leadership growth is our ability to see more clearly because it's the things that we don't see that'll kill us. I think it goes back to what you said. It has to be humility and curiosity. You have to ask questions. You have to stay in tune with your team. Um, I call it walking the floor. I mean, I think you mentioned that mm-hmm. when yeah. you were a CEO, you walk the floor. And I don't I don't necessarily do it every day. I'm not going to say that I do because I don't. But at least once or twice a week, I will get out, walk around, um, Sometimes I just do half the staff, you know, one morning and the next morning I check with the other staff. I mean, there's no methodical way because that's not genuine for me. I I genuine when I feel like going out there and I meet with the staff and just say, how's it going? How was your weekend? I, you know, I know you had a soccer tournament with your, with your, it's not a contrived routine. No, because that's too, I can't do that. That would be fake. I can't do that Um, either. I hate that. But you know, you know, we have different different people will come to me with different things that they need help on. Um, And when you have, when you have the people that um, maybe just don't get it to me, those are easier if their heart's pure, Mm -hmm. right? Because those I can talk to and I can say, and and I've, I'm so fortunate. And I know I keep saying this, my staff's probably sick of hearing it, (laughs) but I've got such an amazing staff. They, I can, I can't think of one person on my team that I cannot go say, Hey, here's, here's it. We had a little blip yesterday. Right. This is what I understand happened. Can you help me understand from your perspective? How can we fix that? And they own it every time. I mean, that's the best position a leader can be in. They're like, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. I just forgot. And so I'm like, okay, how are we going to not, how are we going to not forget? What, what do you think would work for you? Like, I don't ever tell them because I hope my, my philosophy is, with a good solid team. So I'm I, again, if you're not, if you're a listener and not in that position, be careful. But with a good solid team, I can say, uh, how, how are we going to fix this? And I can lead them to their answer. And then again, inspect what you expect. I say, you know, put it on a task. That's the one ask that I have. Put it on a task in Outlook. And I can see that you're checking it. And then I will follow up at our next weekly or our next meeting or whatever it is. Um, and then I ask them again how it's going. So I hold them accountable and they know it. They expect it and they typically bring their little notebook in. So um, those are the easiest because if it wasn't intended for harm, it was just a miss. We're all human. Mm-hmm. And for my position as a leader is you don't just sit there and ding them to death. Every time they make a mistake, my goal is to educate them so they are become better themselves professionally. They learn how to do reminders. They learn how to whatever it is, you know, 
I found different things. Um, sometimes it's just lack of knowledge. Many times on our staff, we move so fast. It has been the transition of somebody coming into the job. We just came across an issue this week where we've we've had uh, two individuals that have been in the position a while, but the transition when the other person took over, and it's been several years ago, didn't realize the impact of this certain form that we had to do. And it's a legal form that we have to have, but we just educated on it. You know, we didn't uh, didn't do a write up, didn't do corrective action. We just said, "Hey, t- tell me what you understand about it," and then we educated them on why it's so important and the impact it had when it wasn't done. And that's so easy to do and keeps the relationships positive and keeps it safe. Now, if they keep making mistakes, that's a different issue, right? If you have sure. multiple mistakes or the same mistakes over and over, that's when I think you need to sit. Okay. We've tried to correct. We're just not getting it. So let's put it in writing, make sure you understand it, and then go from there. But those are the easy, the, I always call it mistakes of the heart, much easier. Mistakes of the mind where there's intent and you're choosing not to do it, yeah. much more difficult. Those are the ones punching holes in your yeah. boat. Well, I mean, for me, it's either, I'm such a simpleton, you know, it's either a competency issue, which could be a lack of education or a lack of, a lack of know-how, but it, it could be a lack of ability. It right. just could, you know, we, we've encountered that, you know, but for me, the, the real killer is a lack of willingness. That's know? right. Yeah. I'm, yes, ma'am. But then behind your back, I'm just like, there's no way I'm doing that. You know, kind of a, kind of a thing I can say as a, as an outside observer, the big leg up that, that you've got with your team is just that safety is the fact that, and I remember when you and I were talking about these one-on-ones, you know, Lisa meeting with her staff one-on-one, um, and it's just, it's just always kind of been foreign to me how many, how many leaders just don't think about it be again, because we are all so busy and everybody's moving so fast and it's like, mm-hmm. and who's got, who's got time for this? Because not only am I having to ding my calendar, but I'm having to take time out of somebody else's calendar. That's and right. I don't want to add workload to them, but there's the, there's the value, the value of that. Be careful about your circle, but man, you've got to know your circle. You've, you've got to know what's going on. You can't be blindsided, particularly by a supervisor or a manager, but I don't think you can be, be, be blindsided by, you know, Charlie out in the hall, you know, sowing discord. No. And, and the other thing, uh, you know, we really haven't talked about Sorry, Charlie. No, (laughs) no, we talked about our teams, the leaders and our teams and the leaders and their teams. What we haven't really talked about is across the organization, your peers that you're working with that could be sabotaging the, the leadership team as a whole or Mm -hmm. the, you know, um, and I, I haven't, I haven't so much had that here, but um, when I was private sector back in the day, they're so big, they can hide, right? We were in an organization of 75,000 employees in international, global. Um, and and I, I was very young. I mean, I'm newly married and probably, I don't, I'm trying to think back when that would be. That was, I was probably 20 to 24-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put me in a supervisory role right off the bat, never supervised right out of college, you know, deep into um, the pool. Yep. Deep into the pool. And, um, I, I just remember a guy at that time that kept coming in completely disheveled, smelling of alcohol every day, unkept shirt, untucked in a suit. 
I mean, very obvious. You know how they've slept in it and it's all wrinkled? Uh, second week on the job. Yeah, yeah, second week on the job. And I remember there, I tried to talk to my to my manager and I remember him looking at me um, and I said, hey, I just need guidance on how to best handle this here. It's second week. So I don't even know that, I don't even know that it was, it was, uh, well, I'm not going to say who it was, but anyway, <laughs> it was, um, I remember him while I'm trying to do this, it's a major problem because if you're under the influence of any kind of substance and you're trying to do work and we worked in benefits risk, you know, this is people's benefits, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, that, is- that you can really screw up their life insurance their medical, their dental, all that good stuff. And I know that's not huge compared to like fire or police, but this is private sector. So bottom line is um, while I'm trying to talk to him about this problem, he's practicing his golf swing in front of me, not even making eye contact. He's swinging and I would say something and he's like, okay, say that again. I'm sorry. I wasn't focused. And so I'd tell it again. And he just, just absolutely no care in the world for what I was coming to him about. So I'm like, okay. So I called HR as a good uh, person would do. At least I knew enough about that. Right. I asked people around me, who, who do we call? Now, and they gave me a down number here and study this guy's golf swing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, terminate him. You have enough <laughs> evidence. And I'm like, Okay, so how do I do that? Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to remember, I'm two weeks on, a, right. on my first major job. It's funny. Can y'all walk <laughs> me through this? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but I did. And he was like, it was it was just one of those. I'm like, you know, you smell of alcohol every day. So you terminated, sure you terminated him right there? I, I terminated him. Okay, and well, it was funny. Let's hear how this goes. Yeah. So he was uh, he was in his suit, his, his white shirt. Unt- I remember it. Gray suit, white shirt untucked. Looked like he'd slept in it. Hair hadn't been combed. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how long this has been going on, but I encourage you to get, get help. And unfortunately, we can't continue your employment. He goes, yeah, nobody's even ever told me about it. I just, I've gotten worse and worse. I mean, he was just so brutally honest. And he was like, I've been doing this for years. Like, sometimes I don't even show up till noon. But he said, but you seem to be, you seem to recognize. So I was trying to come in on time at least. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> You know, but he, he knew and it was just allowed. So talk about punching holes in the boat. Right. The managers, if it had been going on that long and he was clear, I mean, this is a, I'm not gonna tell you who it was. This is an organization that at the time as a female, I had to wear only dark suits, hose and closed toed shoes. You couldn't wear color. It was either blue, you know, navy or black. Oh, yeah. I remember the dress code very well. The men, the men could not have hair touching their collars, no facial hair, uh, well kept, uh, all suits. You know, um, this was not. Well, Perot did get his start at IBM. So he had it honest, you know, (laughs) it was only white, only white shirts. And yeah, that's right. So, you know, all of that to be said, he, how terrible is that that the employee knew? People weren't watching and holding him accountable and his behavior worsened. I mean, he could have had an accident. He could, it could have been devastating for his family, married guy. Well, and here's um, the big shame. I mean, here's what pops in my head first is the way that we have defined leadership as a focus on others and doing for others, what they can't do for themselves. I mean, man, how sad, Yeah, how sad. I mean, we can, we can judge this fellow all we want. We can laugh at, at his behavior and his, mm-hmm. his appearance, but what if what if what if a leader 
could have served him mm-hmm. and could have helped this guy. Could have gotten him some help. Yeah, I mean, because he just that's continued the shame spiral. Of it. You know, I, an absolute loss of humanity because nobody's paying attention. Yeah. So many times, uh, just knowing, you know, beyond just the punching holes in the boat, the the thing that I've learned, uh, my lesson learned is that, like I mentioned earlier, the grace I gave, I give grace a long time. I remember when you and I were talking when we first met, and if you have, you know, any kind of personnel issue, whether it was my department, a different department, it was always like, well, is there a reason we should keep going kind of, you know, is there a reason you want to keep correcting and keep... And it was always my hope that I could influence change so that they would become better, right? You talk about serving others. My, and I, it was a genuine heart. I wanted them to recognize what they were causing themselves and what they were causing to their teams and hopefully become better. And unfortunately, nine times out of 10, they just continue to be destructive because they're not humble. They don't uh, believe I, that you, your heart is pure. And that you're right. trying to help them, they believe you're just a leader trying to be destructive and doesn't see the value. And I've had very, I've had a few um, success stories that are amazing, where people did take that, and the to see the transformation of a person that genuinely says, you know what, you're right, and I want to be better, is absolutely the best feeling in the world because you actually. If your heart is genuine to help them and their heart is genuine to want to be fixed, want to be improved, want to be better, right? I shouldn't say fixed. That was not a good choice of words, but want to be better. We know what you meant. Man, that I've seen them absolutely bloom and soar um, to a, a whole new level. But your heart has to be right to do that. You can't say one thing and then do something different because your actions, they are going to see it and they're going to see right through you if it's not genuine. Have you ever had a successful conversion? We'll call it been able to convert somebody who was a saboteur, who had a high degree of unwillingness. Have you ever been able to convert a person like that over an extended period of time or, okay. Yes. Tell me more. Yes. So, um, so because in my experience, let me preface because in my experience, conversion happens more quickly than not. And in my experience, which is obviously different from yours, doesn't happen. You know, yeah. the more, the more I hold out hope and the more, man, I, I hope they'll see it. I hope they'll see it. They just don't, they don't see it. The people, no, who that's truly it, the people who see it for me in my experience, right? I was able to confront them. I was able to present this. I was able to get some understanding and show them what they were doing and show them this is not going to be acceptable. And, this is this this is how this is going to end unless you decide to do something different well those conversions happen then right or shortly after that or in my experience they don't happen right so just giving it more time which i know is what a lot of us think well i just i just need to give it more time i've never found that has never ever worked for me not a single time yeah for me it's nine times out of ten like i said nine times out of ten it's not going to work because the saboteurs don't have humility, right. all right? So uh, they don't want to change, and they don't see a need for change. And that, I have learned, you cannot fix. You cannot change because they are never going to believe 
that you're trying to help them and you're trying to serve them. Well, they're never going to believe that you're smarter than them. Either. That's right. Yeah. There's anything. not, when you lack yeah. humility, you're just not going to win. I mean, yeah. and I say you, if the person you're helping, trying to yeah, help doesn't have humility, you. it's, you're not going to win. It's, oh, none of you us can are. try. I, you know, my theory, and then I'll talk about um, the, the ones that have been successful because it's been very few and far between. But my theory is if they want, if they want to change and they are willing, they have a willing heart, like you said, willingness is huge. If without it, it's not going to work. Um, then you can be successful. And for my whole theory is I just have to know at the end of the day, I've done my best to make them better. At some point they have to choose to become better. Right. That mm -hmm. that's, I have to be able to, and I call it being able to sleep at night. I have to know, You've heard me say that over and over yeah. if, if we've talked about it. Well, they have to demonstrate it. They can't yes. just say the words. Yeah. So I, I have to know at the end of the day, I have done everything that in my ability to try to serve them, to help them become better. And at some point they have to choose it. And if they don't choose it, it's on them. And I don't usually have any heartburn. Right. Uh, I hate letting people go because I know the impact it has to their families, but I didn't choose it for them. I just know at the end of the day, I tried. They didn't choose it. And I can't, I can't change an outcome that they are unwilling to participate in. Well, and we owe it to the other people in the boat. And by the That's way, right. we also are in that boat. That's right. So then let's talk about the, the, the individuals. Cause it's been, I can probably name three in 25 years. That's how rare it happens that, that have more converted. Than I've ever had. Yeah. That have converted, um, and again, it came over down a to long humility. period of time over 25 years. Yeah. Well, no, no I'm, I'm not I'm saying talking those people. No, that's, that's my, that was my question. My question is, so when confronted with the reality that we know what's going on sure, and we're going to help you fix this, but we can't do this for you. You're going to have to do it. You've got to stop drilling these holes and we've got to shore this up Yeah, and I'm not going to put up with the continuing sabotaging behavior. Right. I'm talking about once you start down that course and you continue to deliver the sermon and you continue to give grace and you continue to give grace and, and nothing changes, they don't change, but you're still holding out hope that they'll, that it'll work out. That's so maybe you misunderstood. That's what I'm talking about. I have never, cause initially come on, all of us as, as younger leaders. And I don't mean by age, but I mean by experience come on, we're trying to figure this out. And those of us that are pretty compassionate and empathetic, yeah, we don't want to just immediately jump for the ax and off with your head. Yeah. I have never found that the extension of that grace continuing to put oh, up. Oh no, I see what you're that's, saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, have you ever, have you ever delivered sermon after sermon, after sermon, after sermon, and then they convert, I have found deliver the sermon. Okay, maybe reinforce the sermon, convert, or they don't. That's well, I've had kind of okay. My mine is a little different um, because it's along those lines. My sermon has always been the same, pretty much. But I had to grow. If anybody that's been listening to this podcast over the last year, there are moments in my career I had to grow and and shift, right? Shift sure. and learn more on my leadership, um, right. how to make it better, how to connect. Um, how to be more, um, I've always been empathetic and compassionate, but, um, I would say to your grace issue, 
Um, <clears throat> I do give grace. I do tell the story that I, that I, and I continue to communicate that same story. Usually the turning point becomes at the point you have to correct the behavior. I call it substantial correction. When there's a substantial corrective measure, in other words, uh, it is, you know, you need to get on the bus or you need to get off the bus. Yeah, and that and that's what I mean yours. by the confrontation. But once, once you have that confrontation, this is where the few and far between most of them do not succeed. And I can, that's my nine times out of 10. But oh, okay. the one that says, gotcha, you know what? You, you're, you're right. I don't, I don't agree with everything, but I agree in principle with what you're saying. And I want to be better. Uh, and then we talk about, okay, what does that look like? What does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? And mm -hmm. here's what I must have moving forward. And those that have the willingness to change, and I call it cleaning the slate. I'm not holding everything that we've talked about against them. Right. Uh, in the past, we we clean the slate and we move forward. And then I just educate, talk to them when they have a challenge. You know, I said, come in and, and ask me, let's figure out how to deal with it together. And that trust is established that I'm really not, because usually it's walking on eggshells, right? Any of us, if you've right. ever been, had to counsel somebody, probably they've said something to the effect, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you kind of are. You kind of are, but this yeah. is through trust and we're not looking for a reason to fire you. Don't give us one. Do the best you can every day. Ask questions, do a good job, be honest, be on time, the things that are within your control and the rest will come right. because we're, we're very fortunate in Grand Prairie to have really good leaders that we don't look for the bad in people. We look for the good in them and we assume everybody comes in every day wanting to do a good job. And that they might just have a little blip and we have to correct and help them see the light and keep moving forward. Right. Yep. Um, but those are the moments that when you were saying the duration, I was thinking it does, it's not just an instant, I'm going to do better. And they switch gears and they're terrific. Oh, all no, I didn't mean that. I just meant you and I both constant know reminder. Yeah, no, that's not what I meant. I just, I know that there are leaders who struggle with getting to that point of actually mm -hmm. making a decision. Right. Maybe their heart, their gut is telling them, I really need to do something with this person, mm -hmm. but maybe it's our own failings as leaders. We don't want to, we, I, I don't want the confrontation. I don't want to have that difficult conversation. Uh, it's very typical for us as humans to not want the confrontation. I guess my, here's, here's some of my parting shots and I'll let you close the show. Don't think of it. I use that word because we all get it. Right. But for me, it's not that for me, it's, it, it, it's the drunk employee who comes into your office, disheveled, practicing a golf swing while you're trying to talk to the guy and it ends up his career. He blows his career up. Nobody blew his career up, but him. But I do wonder, I do wonder if this had gone on for an extended period of time, what leadership could have done. Right. Somebody saw something in this, in this guy to give him a job. Somebody saw something in a big successful company to hire this guy. He had something, he had enough to get the job. And if he had enough to get the job, meaning somebody was willing to ask him out on a date, right? then, <laughs> it, you know, I have a hard time getting past the fact that leadership let him down. He let himself down. No question. I'm not owning his actions, but in our ability as leaders to do for others, what they can't do for themselves, he was failed. 
he was absolutely by the time it got to you too late right but you know i I think of it in those terms i also think of the people the other people on the boat that we must protect yeah we cannot lose our team we cannot lose our organization we've just got to be better than that we can't let one person sink the ship we can't let one or two people sink the boat i mean you've got to be so watchful you've got to be watchful and you have to take action because once there's a problem identified you just have to know everybody on your team is watching watching what you're going to do with it now they may not know that answer and you don't have to communicate it that okay i've handled you know i've done this with so and so i would never encourage that but you absolutely they are watching your move and that can determine whether they stay or go the good ones well i'll tell you what they're thinking I'll tell you what your staff's thinking. Your staff is thinking, how long are they going to put up with this? Yes. That's what they're thinking. And they're hoping and praying every day. They go home every day and they come to work every day, hoping today will be the day. Today will be the day she'll deal with this. And they're let down every time you don't because they just want to do good work. That's right. Truth. Absolute truth. I learned a long time ago. I started having stand-up meetings. This is how, this is, this is how much of a noticer I am. Cause body language means a whole lot. Right. And it dawned on me one day, you know what people do when they get in an elevator, right? Everybody stares at their shoes, right? Right. So I started having these little stand up meetings with managers and, and their, and their staff. And it's just kind of interesting to watch the supervisor and watch their people. And I, you know, I could notice almost invariably. I'm not saying this is don't run with this as a, as a hard, fast rule people, but it worked for me. Uh, you start bringing up stuff that you might suspect, like we started out this show, you know, you suspect that there's some sabotaging going on Mm -hmm. and all, all of this person's people, they're all staring at their shoes. It's like, yeah, okay. Whatever he or she is saying. Their body language is telling me we Houston, we have got a problem here, you know, cause they're all staring at their shoes and they're all, they're all being quiet. So yes, we, we absolutely, we have to know, but we owe it to the people who have a high degree of willingness to get the saboteurs out because you will lose them and yeah, you will I, find it very difficult to replace them. And if you do replace them very quickly, the new employee who is a high performer will quickly know what you don't, if you're not paying right. attention and they won't put up with it either. The staff always learns first. Oh, they always course. see it first because yeah. they're, they're working with them. Boots but I was, on the ground. I, I was scrolling through my phone. Cause I know we talked about this in a prior episode, but it goes to what you just talked about. The culture of any organization is shaped by the worst behavior the leader is willing to tolerate. Yep. I mean, I talk about that. You know, yep. the, 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 if you're letting them punch the holes in the boat and you're doing it for too long and it, the, the back end of the ship, the ship keeps sinking yeah. slowly, the whole ship is going down. Yeah. They're not looking at the saboteur anymore. They're looking at you because you've allowed it. And then they decide, do I really want to work here? Yeah. When and there's you will the start whole- losing the good ones and you keep the bad ones because they don't want to, they've yeah, got well, to Right. No, they don't care. Yeah, they're happy to chime in and gripe with everybody else. That's well, right. listen, when there's holes being drilled and there's water being taken on, you d- you're not your job as a leader is not to slow it down. I'm reminded of that of that of that joke. You know, guy gets pulled over by a policeman for 
rolling through a stop sign. And he said, well, I, you know, I slowed down. I don't take this literally people. So the cop, the cop gets out his billy club, you know, and he starts kind of beating on the guy and he says, you want me to stop or do you want me to slow down? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and leadership is the same way. When you're, when you've got a saboteur, you're taking on water. The objective cannot be, I just need to slow down this bad behavior. You don't need I just to, need to well, plug two of the five holes. Yeah, and we'll well, be fine. You, don't, you don't need to slow down <laughs> the drunk, disheveled employee practicing a golf swing in front of you. There, right. well, hello. Yeah. Slow that down. No, yeah. this needs to stop. This has got to stop, you know, because yeah. you're not going to put up with it from anybody else. Why this person, listen, grace is unmerited favor. I get it. I'm all about it. But, you know, we need to extend grace so that we make sure we really understand what's going on. But once we right. understand, once we've got some clear idea of what's going on, again, I think so much of it is that last phrase of, you know, you got to know the circle, you know, be picky about the circle. I mean, for me, that's, that's the final word for me. Yeah. I would just say a uh, long, long story that we've talked about made short is you need to know your people. You need to be in contact with them and understand what's going on in the team and address issues timely and well. If they say there's an issue and, you know, sometimes it's the naysayer that brings up an issue and I've seen leaders discount those and not address them. And sometimes they're correct. Sometimes they're, they may come with you with 10 complaints, but two of them might be valid. So don't discount them. And I learned that. I remember our police department one time um, said, you know, it, it, that premise was that if they, if they had a hooker say they were raped, right. They, they had a hooker say they were raped and they're still a hooker. They said, you know what? They may have very well been raped. So we never assume just because right. of the role that it didn't happen. We have to investigate each thing because they are human mm -hmm. and they're in a difficult environment. And so we never just assume well, that you asked for it. And I remember thinking that in our police department, when they're talking about serving our community, what a great attitude that is for the officers to have. You're still human and you're important to us, regardless of your circumstances. We're going to investigate it and figure out what did happen or what didn't happen. And they take every case seriously. And I, and that was, you know, many, many years ago under even our former chief before, uh, before Steve was there as the chief. And I just remember that really, you can tell, I mean, it really stood out to me. Sure. You need to listen. And even the naysayers can occasionally have a good concern that needs to be addressed for the betterment of the team. Just know how to filter through them and, and again, inspect what you expect. So um, don't let it go on too long. I, I learned that again in my career. I give them grace for a period. I try to correct the behavior for a period and then at some point you got to either figure out, are they on the, on the bus need to be off the bus, or do you need to switch, switch the seats in the bus, get them in the right seat. Cause sometimes they're just in the wrong seat and a new, new, fresh start can help too. Those are my main takeaways. You have to be able to sleep at night that you've done everything you can to make them better and serve them well. And beyond that, the choice is theirs. It's that simple. Yep. Let me tease, uh, let me tease next week's episode. We're going to be talking to Ben Thatcher, city manager of the city of Bernie down in the hill country in Texas. Uh, Ben's got the whole family's in city government. It seems like anyway, 
He'll tell yeah, us. We were going more. through the names. I was like, yeah. what about this one? He goes, oh, yeah, that's a city attorney. What about this one? Oh, yeah, yeah he's the assistant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's going to be good to have Ben on the show. So make sure that you tune in. We appreciate you. We hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.